everybody, and welcome to From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. I hope wherever you are at in the world that you're all right. Coming back from the holidays is always such an interesting transition. And of course, depending on where you are, rising cases of infections, of course, make it also more interesting. My first week back to work was actually unusual because I started the first week off of the year preparing and putting on a number of shows. COVID protocols in place, all shows went well, and then the following week was technically my first week back, which only consisted of two days of work. So coming into the third week of January, I'm finally making my return to my actual work schedule. And well, it just does seem interesting. If you can't really tell, I'm rambling. Sometimes these intros have a little bit of planning. Sometimes they don't, and they just come right from the heart. And sometimes, like today, it's just a ramble. So with that being said, because today's recap is a little longer than usual, let's go ahead and get started on today's recap. Today's episode is entitled The Race and debuted on October 11th, 1976. The episode was written by John W. Hanoran, and this is his first writing credit for Little House and his only, and the episode was directed by William F. Claxton. Once again, we begin with a wide-angle shot of prairie fields, golden prairie fields, and we see a black beauty running through the grasses. And that horse is not alone. It does have a rider, and as you guessed it, it's Laura and Bunny. They come to a slower pace, and Laura, being the good rider that she is, notices something is afoot, or actually not under a foot. Climbing down, she inspects one of Bunny's hooves and notices that she has thrown her shoe. And knowing more about horse maintenance than I do, she decides to call it a day and retrieves the horseshoe and heads into town. And we cut to Hans Dorfler, who runs the blacksmith shop, and he's informing Laura that that shoe is beyond repair and actually needs replacement at a cost of 50 cents. Which I'm slightly confused because didn't Charles have some sort of portable blacksmith shop? because his own bow-legged horse kept throwing her shoes? Remember, this is how we came up with the idea to fix Olga Nordstrom's shoes back in Town Party Country Party. However, Laura's determined to get those funds somehow and get back to training, because the Hero Township horse race is three weeks away. Hearing Laura's intentions, Hans Dorfler delivers the news to Laura that Bunny should be completely resawed at a special price of $1.75. And those of you listening who have all-wheel drive know all about having to replace four tires at the same time. And as if 50 cents wasn't hard enough to come by. Fairly confident that Laura has a chance in the race, Hans Dorfler encourages Laura not to ride Bunny until the shoe is replaced on the fear that Bunny might split a hoof. And speaking of mending shoes and laying it on pretty thick, we cut to Charles adding new soles to a pair of Mary's shoes back in the barn. Sadly, 
with his shirt on. And once that bit of repair is done, Big Sister Mary tries on the shoe, comments on how it looks good as new, but sadly, the repair doesn't fix the other problem, which according to Caroline is, all the shoes are being outgrown by the girls. And it's at this time, Laura finally makes it home, runs into the barn with her own horseshoe dilemma. And willing to work extra chores for funds, Charles flat out says, we can't save a dollar we don't have. And the main priority for the money is now shoes for Laura and her sisters. And sounding irritated, but also very frustrated, Charles then mentions how Bunny can't even pull his own weight around the farm. Ouch. Caroline, trying to be the voice of reasoning slash resolution, suggests that they stuff Laura's old shoes with cloths for Carrie, and that way they would only need two pairs. And sadly, those two pairs, they would still have to charge. And once again, we are reminded Charles' feelings about having to use credit and cash on a barrel. But they are really left with no choice. The girls just gotta have them shoes. However, I really hate to bring this up, but Johnny Johnson, he didn't have shoes. Seeing how it's a matter of most urgency, Charles hitches up the wagon and they head into town to get some shoes. And it's actually a very lovely shot, although rather long shot, of the wagon ride into town. At the mercantile, Harriet Olsen is helping with those shoe fittings. She seems rather pleasant. She even jokes to Caroline, isn't it something the way they just sprout up? She continues to mention how her own Nellie outgrows her shoes before they're even broken in. And maintaining a these shoes rule and these shoes suck mentality, Harriet Olsen claims that's because they're of better quality than the normal pair. The total bill is $3.00. And that's when Mr. Olson speaks up from behind the counter and states that they are charging it, and it's already been discussed with Charles. And as always, leave it to Harriet to just ruin the mood. In the moment, she states how she has two older pair of Nellie's shoes, and she had plans to donate them and send them to Mankato, but there's plenty of need right here in town. Caroline turns the offer down. They're happy with their average shoe. They don't need the charity. And then Harriet. What do you call it when you come in here and charge things? Once again, Harriet. Harriet explains the general idea of retail and credit. And losing her nice tone, she concludes with, Beggars can't be choosers. Caroline then states, We'll be back when we can pay for those shoes in cash. Taking off the shoes... The Ingalls all file past Harriet Olson as she refers to them as ungrateful snippets. Back in the wagon ride home, Caroline is explaining she didn't want the girls being forever reminded by Nellie Olson that they are wearing her castoffs. Charles agrees with the sentiment and just mentions that he'll just pick up some extra ships at the mill. And Caroline regretting her greatest sin of all. You shouldn't work extra hard because of my pride. We should turn around and head back and apologize. There's a flat out no from Charles and concludes that he will go as far as hiding her own shoes to prevent that apology from happening.
We cut to Laura running into town to locate Hans Dorfler in the library, and she tries to barter labor for the shoes. P.S. It's a hot day on set because everyone looks a little damp. Hans Dorfler is a little hesitant to give Laura the job because of her size, but Laura claims I do the same work for Pa at our own barn, and she gives an example of her capabilities slash skills. Being a little impressed, Hans Dorfler says that she can start once she gets her father's permission, and she bolts it right across the stream to the mill and lays out her plan to Charles. However, Charles is a bit hesitant, you know, her own schoolwork and her chores at home. Laura's reasoning is, well, it's no different than what you would do for us. She then repeats Charles's mantra of, you can do anything you put your mind to. You know, it's the same mantra Mary repeated just before she almost burnt down the barn. I mean, started studying for that test back in the award in season one. It's nice to know that these girls are listening. And for some reason, Hans Dorfler just shows up and does mention he could use the help. And that's finally what makes Charles agrees. And with Laura off to her new job, Charles thanks Hans Dorfler for taking a chance on a little girl. And what does Hans Dorfler say? She's an Ingalls, isn't she? She'll get the job done. And we cut to Laura at work moving some hay and right on cue, let the chance begin. Laura smells like a dirty horse. Nellie and Willie have entered. Nellie Olson immediately demonstrates her lack of responsibility. What's so important about cleaning up after a dirty old horse? That's when Laura spills the tea about earning new shoes for Bunny so they can enter in the race. Nellie Olson, you're not going to win with that creature. And Nellie Olson's only insult about the horse is it smells bad. Nellie Olson definitely has the attitude down, but uh, she needs to work on her shade. And Laura's final response is simply to take some of that dirty smelling hay and toss it onto Nellie and Willie. Nellie runs off in a high-pitched whine, and Willie follows after. We cut to supper at the Olsons. Turkey, green beans, what looks like mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce. Nellie Olson is busy tapping her plate with her fork, while Harriet Olson tells her to eat something, and Mr. Olson orders her to stop pouting and eat your supper. Reaching his hand forward and throwing it out there, Willie volunteers to eat whatever Nellie doesn't want, and that's when Nellie Olson finally confesses what she's upset about. How can I eat knowing Laura is going to ride my horse in the race? Mr. Olson then immediately reminds her it's not her horse. And knowingly ignoring her father, she continues, You should have shot it. And that's when Mr. Olson, bless him, calls her out and says, You mistreated the horse and you lied about your injuries. You don't deserve anything, especially a horse. Harriet Olson remarks that she can't believe Mr. Olson is taking sides against her own flesh and blood. And thankfully, Mr. Olson brings all of this to a close and concludes that she doesn't get a horse. And Nellie Olson is making the exit we are going to love over and over. She gets up with a very loud whine and leaves the room. Harriet Olson follows. Oh, and Willie is finally granted permission to eat the rest of Nellie's supper. Upstairs, Nellie Olson is crying, maybe fake crying. Harriet Olson comforts her daughter. 
You didn't want that mean old horse anyway. But according to Nellie, neither should Laura. You know, because she said such terrible things to Nellie. Harriet Olson then calls Laura a mean little girl and to pay no mind. To further comfort slash spoil Nellie, Harriet Olson suggests a new dress for Mankato. No, an old Dresden doll. No, I don't want your old doll. I want my horse back. And she demands another one, a, a better one. The best horse in the whole world one. And with that, Harriet Olson then claims, Laura Ingalls will not win that horse race. Mother will take care of it. A promise is made. Harriet Olson leaves to fetch dessert. And the pitiful spectacle, that is, Nellie Olson crying, fades away to a rather nefarious smile. Cut to Harriet Olson and Mr. Olson in bed. There's no books and no popcorn, just a sleeping Mr. Olson and Harriet filing down her nails. She double checks that he's heading out to a sales trip the next day, then suggests that she tags along with Mr. Olson on this shopping trip. She reminds them they haven't had a break together since she invited herself out on the fishing, leaf gathering, and river floating campout trip back in season two. Mr. Olson goes to his old reliable, who's going to watch after the store? Harriet Olson's got this covered. A day closed will just make our customers appreciate us that much more. Once again, putting it all on the customers. She continues that they haven't been spending that much time together, just the two of us, and throwing out whatever final plea slash excuse to keep Harriet Olson at home. What about the dusty trip? Harriet Olson concludes, oh, well, we could also stop in some nice, quiet, secluded spot. Doesn't that sound romantic? She then giggles, which is almost on par with the giggle of Dolores Umbridge. And a defeated Mr. Olson concludes, oh, I guess so. Harriet Olson then demands a kiss-kiss, night-night, and falls asleep. And Mr. Olson is left awake with his own thoughts and feelings. It's the next day, and who knows how much time has passed and how many miles have been traveled, and the Olsons arrive in an unnamed town. As they pull up to the general store, Harriet Olson inquires how long all of this will be, and Mr. Olson responds, well, aren't you coming inside? Harriet Olson has other plans, and she'll meet up with Mr. Olson later after some personal business is taken care of. And we cut over to the stable library. Horse dealership, because Harriet Olson is there checking out a horse named Sparks. The horse salesman, a man named Mr. Sandler, is talking about the horse's background. And she comes in and inspects the animal by simply looking at one side of it before inquiring, you sure this is the very best you have? We're informed the owner of the horse only raises racing stock. Harriet Olson wants a test drive, but she's told that Sparks is awfully spirited. Harriet Olson claims to be a know-it-all and only requires the assistance of mounting the steed. Needless to say, hilarity ensues as Sparks takes Harriet Olson on a tour 
of the unnamed town. There is a moment on the tour where there's a sign that does say Grand Forks. However, the nearest Grand Forks is in North Dakota, more than a day's travel for the Olsons. The tour around town includes a pass by the dry goods store, the general store, the saloon, and the best thing is Sparks knows where to return to. And once inside that library, he throws Harriet Olson over his head and into a haystack. And recovering herself, gaining composure, propped up against a few barrels of hay, Harriet Olson sits and willingly decides to purchase the horse for Nellie. Even after everything that just happened, Harriet is still willing to get this animal for her daughter. Inside the library office, Harriet Olson is signing off on payment for Sparks, and once the payment is cleared, Sparks will be delivered as soon as Saturday. And now after all of this has taken place, Mr. Olson finally comes rushing in to inquire about his wife and is informed that she is purchasing this horse for Nellie. But this horse is no pony. It is a thoroughbred. One fine thoroughbred. And trying to stand firm on his punishment and claiming he won't pay for this animal, Harriet Olson says that's okay. It's coming from her own personal account. Putting on his derby, Mr. Olson turns and coldly heads towards the loaded wagon to head home. Back at Walnut Grove, Laura is brushing her own black beauty, Bunny. Hans Dorfler comes by and mentions how soft Bunny is looking without being trained. And he offers to shoe Bunny up so they can go train now and they can continue the work when everything is done. And Laura, being her father's daughter, recites the lesson again about debt and credit and the whole cash on a barrel thing. And with a smile, Hans Dorfler excuses himself. And back over at the blacksmith, which actually could sub as a saloon, there are two gentlemen folk talking smack about one another. They ask Hans Dorfler his opinion about the race, and Hans replies with, Laura Ingalls and Bunny. There isn't even a moment of hesitation before one of the men yell out, that little girl? Meanwhile, back across the road, over at the livery, Nellie Olson is stopping by with a giant silver cup. We're informed Harriet Olson has donated the item for the first placed prize for the race. It makes the race more important. It's at this moment, horse salesman Sandler comes to town with sparks in tow. The men over at the blacksmith saloon, let's just say it, come out to admire the animal. That's a pretty piece of horse flesh. His words, not mine. Horse salesman Sandler then announces he's here to make a delivery for the Olsons. That's when Nellie Olson steps forward. Oh, is that my horse? And looking at the recipient of Sparks, horse salesman Sandler says, ooh, that's a lot of horse for a young lady. And this is when Nellie Olson opens her mouth and asks Hans Dorfler if he could have the nice stable girl take care of my horse, please. And handing Sparks over to Laura, 
Nellie states the obvious. Mother bought me a horse. She leaves care instructions, a friendly taunt, and a frustrated Laura at the livery. Back at Plum Creek, it's late. Laura's already home, but it's still late, and she's cleaning the barn. Charles comes out. What's up, half pint? Some girls get all the things, while some work night and day to keep what they have. And that's when Charles mentioned that the Lord gives gifts to help out during hard times. And that's when, trying to lift up Laura's spirits, lists Laura's gifts. Determination. Spunk. And spunk, however, according to Laura, is no good against Sparks, the thoroughbred. He's a real racehorse with papers and everything. Charles, stop. Hold on. Where does it say horses can read? And Charles's dad joke is greeted with my head shake. And after a moment, Charles concludes that Bunny can win this race. And he throws in the remark Hans Dorfler said earlier that he's never heard of an Ingalls who was a quitter. Laura Ingalls delivers her smile she's not going to quit. However, Charles is going to send her off to bed. She begs to finish raking out the hay because she claims that she can get it done in two shakes of a lamb's tail. You'll be counting sheep in church tomorrow. Now get hugs, love, and good night. We completely skip Sunday and jump to Monday because all the kids are leaving school Laura notices Hans Dorfler resodding Bunny, and she tries to stop him. However, Hans Dorfler explains that to beat Nellie Olsen's horse, you need to train. The champion's got to work, and it's impossible to work out without shoes. Laura tries to protest, but Hans Dorfler, don't talk, just walk, and she heads over to the livery. And once Bunny is returned, Laura sets to task with saddling her with her own saddle. And that's when Hans Dorfler returns and explains that the saddle her dad crafted and gave her for Christmas is great for casual use. And he explains the saddle he has is lightweight and for over distance, it will equal better time. And taking that saddle, Hans Dorfler says, you can thank me by winning this race. He continues that Sparks hasn't been doing much lately, aside from eating and standing around being lazy. With all these little pieces coming together, Laura's excited. Against all odds, she just might win. We cut to a montage of Laura and Bunny training, Laura cleaning the barn, and shining her saddle. Cut to up in the loft. Mary is there with her boyfriend, homework, and Laura is there in bed doing some homework and eventually just falls asleep with pencil in hand. Big sister Mary comes over and takes those out and tucks her sister in. We cut to morning at Plum Creek and Carrie is being utilized. She's clearing the dishes from the table. Caroline and Laura are at the table having a parent-teacher conference conference and we're informed that of course Laura is behind in her homework. Caroline requests to see Laura's arithmetic homework. 
and Laura claims that she'll get it done at lunch. And Caroline, inspecting that homework, looks up. Mary, this is your work. Coming forward and inspecting it himself, Charles almost punishes Laura. And Mary confesses that she did this all of her own. Laura was clueless. Charles and Caroline both scold Mary for this homework assist. They know she means well, but Laura won't learn arithmetic with Mary doing all the work. Slightly scolding her sister, herself, Laura states, I told you I'd do the work myself. On route to school, Laura apologizes for getting her sister in Dutch, which just is another way of saying in trouble. And of course, Mary brushes it off and just wants Laura to beat Nellie Olson in the race. We cut to the mercantile and Doc Baker is making a purchase and makes a compliment about the new thoroughbred to Mr. Olson. And that's when Mr. Olson spills the tea. A few days ago, there were seven entries in the race. And after seeing Sparks, there's only two left. And you guessed it, it's Nellie Olson and Laura Ingalls. At which point, Doc Baker says that should make for a very interesting race. And Mr. Olson, <laughs> Laura has no chance. Doc Baker then offers up a whole dollar bet in case Laura wins. Doc Baker then offers up the argument that Bunny has been trained every day and Laura is at least 10 pounds lighter than Nellie Olson. And in a two-mile race, that makes all the difference. The two men part ways and the camera zooms in on the storage room door in the background and it slightly opens to reveal Harriet Olson, eavesdropper extraordinaire. Now we see where Nellie Olson gets it. We then cut to supper time with the Olsons. Harriet Olson is bringing out dessert and is talking about the race and serving some pie. Then tells Nellie Olson she's been stuffing herself. And wow, it's no wonder Nellie Olson has got issues. And it is announced that Willie will ride in Nellie Olson's place. He's at least 15 pounds lighter than Laura. And the whining starts. Nellie Olson, that's my horse. Harriet Olson, which I paid for. And she continues that she is not letting her mother's silver cup out of the family. And sorry, not sorry, Harriet Olson should have thought about that donation further. It's at this time, Mr. Olson throws in the towel, napkin, and excuses himself because of a lack of appetite. And we cut to a more humble meal over at Plum Creek. Laura's training is coming along great, and Caroline encourages her to be eating a little more. Your health is more important, or at least eat your veggies. And Laura throws out a yes ma'am, but no on dessert. And it's at this moment, Caroline exclaims, I'm looking forward to a return to normalcy after Saturday. And Charles, not me as he takes the rest of Laura's food off of her plate. She didn't even say if she was done. And we cut to a school day. Mary and Laura are having lunch outside, and Nellie and Willie once again come over. And Nellie is with a candy apple in hand, and Laura offers up her gingerbread. Nellie turns it down, and Willie is quick to grab it. However, Nellie Olson is quicker to smack his hand back 
and tells him, no, it's fattening. There's no weight gain before the race. Huh? What? And this is how Laura, as well as Mary, are informed that Willie is riding sparks in the race. Nellie and Willie leave, and Laura tries to maintain by biting into the carrot that was in her bag for lunch. However, she tosses it and starts to stress eat that gingerbread. Cut to another stream, creek, rivulet. Laura's with Bunny, and Charles comes into scene. It's the morning of the race, and Laura's out for a warm-up session. In truth, the big takeaway from the scene is the biggest difference between Nellie and Laura is that Laura has a horse that she loves. Now get. And out on horseback, Laura randomly meets up with Doc Baker en route to Sleepy Eye because today is his mother's birthday, so he won't be attending the race. It almost seems like a huge throwaway scene. However, Laura arrives in Walnut Grove, and Mr. Olson comes running into the scene over to the doctor's office. Knocking a few times, he then sees Laura and inquires if she has seen Doc Baker, which, of course, she has. Willie apparently has woke up with some really awful stomach pains. Well, at least it's not him falling out of a barn or off of a roof and relying on instinct. Laura states she knows where he's at and heads out to retrieve him. We get more long takes of horseback riding. They're very borderline to being almost Leo Penn takes, but no, they're William F. Claxton, who's also been utilizing a number of really good crane shots in this episode. Plenty of time is wasted, spent, on Laura's chase to get to Doc Baker. Doc Baker makes a U-turn and heads back, and Laura gets off of Bunny, and on foot, they head back to Walnut Grove. And back at the Olsons, Willie is having a temperature check, and Harriet Olson is explaining the scene. Doc Baker is probing Willie's abdomen, and he does find a spot that when he continues to press it, Willie does elicit an ouch every time. And that's when Doc Baker lifts up his foot, and on the bottom of his shoe, there is a candy-crusted stick revealed. And upon further investigation, Doc Baker reveals that the six candy apples that Willie Olson ate are the cause of his stomach ache. I would be PO'd if I was Doc Baker. And thankfully, he is. And as a doctor, prescribes castor oil for Willie and let nature take its course. And to add insult to injury, Harriet Olson includes there will be a whipping once he's good enough to stand. And poor Willie is left uttering, no, castor oil. And as he leaves, Doc Baker says that he'll tell Hans Dorfler that Willie is in no condition to race. And also, they need to thank Laura for catching up to him. Speaking of, Laura finally arrives back in town. And we find Mr. Olson talking with Mr. Hansen about the race over on the mercantile porch. Mr. Olson is explaining Willie's condition, and Mr. Hansen says they have one hour to find a replacement. And that's when Laura approaches, and ew, they notice Laura and Laura's horse being tired. And Laura, her first concern? Is Willie all right? 
and that's when the decision to forfeit the race is suggested, and Laura recommends a postponement. And almost all parties are in agreement until Harriet Olson opens her mouth and protests that people came from all over just to watch this race and that it would be unfair to have them all return at a later date. And that's when she states that Nellie will be riding her horse. And Laura states and almost pretty much refuses to run bunny. Laura knows about horse health, horse maintenance, horse care, and knows that bunny is tired. And of course, you can't run a race with just one horse. And so Harriet Olsen exclaims, I guess it's a forfeit then. Laura leaves, defeated. And we cut to Charles coming to the library to check in on Laura, who is heartbroken and refuses to run Bunny. And once again is protesting fairness. We worked so hard. And with tears in her eyes, she makes the choice to go home. Outside, Nellie on Sparks rides past, and Bunny neighs. And Hans Dorfler, who just happens to be there, mentions how Bunny does that every time Sparks is around, and then calls Bunny a natural-born competitor. Charles and Hans Dorfler both agree Bunny could run this race, and once again brings up the weight discrepancy difference. And Charles is on board and encourages Laura to trust Bunny's instincts to run because they do have a chance to beat that half-price bag of oats Nellie's got there. His words, not mine. And poof, Laura is back in the race and we are at the starting line. The crowd is a little restless and Harriet Olsen is dancing around and makes the comment to Nellie, looks like you are the only one. You are the winner. And that's when Laura, with Bunny, step up to the line. And the look on Harriet and Nellie's face, I'm going to post a screenshot of that. And with everyone in places, Mr. Hansen announces the third annual Hero Township race is about to start. It's a two-mile marked course, and first one back is the winner, obviously. Everybody ready? Someone from the audience then yells out, We've been ready for two hours. Thank you for that. And in three, two, one, they're off. And Laura takes off and Nellie is in pursuit and the crowd is cheering, of course. And from behind a white picket fence and in a bathrobe, Willie Olsen is cheering on as well until his castor oil kicks in and he has to run to the outhouse. And just like most of the rest of the episode, we get a number of horse racing scenes cut in with reaction close-up shots of Laura and Nellie and audience reaction. Laura is in lead for the first mile marker, which is also the turnaround point, and Laura is still in the lead. We get more racing footage. The horses are neck and neck, bonnets are coming off, and back in town, we watch as the racers arrive side by side until at the very last moment, Bunny makes a jump into light speed and finishes a whole horse length ahead of Sparks. The town folk are applauding and cheering for Laura. Charles embraces Half Pint and, and Laura yells out, She did it for me, Pa! We cut to Willie Olson coming out of the outhouse, and 
asking Nellie who won. Mr. Olson escorts Harriet Olson over to the winner's circle. And FYI, Hans Dorfler is sporting a black hanky in his right rear pocket. Harriet Olson hands over the silver cup and the blue ribbon and the congratulations. And then she leaves. Laura then gets more congratulations from the rest of the crowd. Back over at the mercantile, the Ingalls come in and Laura makes a request for some one-on-one -on -one with Harriet Olson. And Laura, being the role model Harriet Olson needs, returns the silver cup and states, if this was my ma's cup, I couldn't see it with anyone else. Harriet Olson, thankfully, is flabbergasted and is fighting back her tears. And Mr. Olson, bless him, suggests that that's a very generous gesture. It's almost worth three pairs of new shoes. And Harriet Olson, again, fighting not to cry, responds with head nods and yes, it's the least we could do. And Mr. Olson coming in for the correction, it's the least you can do. And then instructs Harriet to go and retrieve those shoes. And our final shot is three pairs of shoes over three separate shoulders. And although they are not cha-cha heels, these three girls don't care as they walk home. Well, that was exciting. Well, at least the ending was exciting and the buildup was okay. And although we laugh when Willie Olsen is prescribed that castor oil, however, sadly, it has been used as a form of torture and punishment throughout history. We giggle, but really, it's quite serious. So thank you, foreignpolicyi.org, as well as history101.com for those insightful articles. And with that, let's finally get to reviewing and rating this episode. I always love it when we get a return of townsfolk we haven't seen for a while, because we get to know them even more. Like, I didn't know Hans Dorfler, in addition to being a blacksmith, knew how to train horses, or even better, train a jockey to ride the horse. I mean, Hans Dorfler is essentially a coach. He's the one that first points out that Bunny is starting to look a little soft, and I'm sure it's pretty common knowledge, but he does give us that information about weight, whether it be about body weight or saddle weight. Even after Laura is ready to throw in the towel, Hans Dorfler is the person that says, look at Bunny's reaction every time Sparks goes by. So if the Walnut Grove School ever had a children's team, I would put him in charge. And... Of course, with that, let's talk about some of um, some of these complaints I have. So I know this episode is entitled The Race, but there was so much horseback riding in this episode. It's a number of scenes and they're all just really long. There's a little yawn on that. And then there's the homework scene when Laura is kind of caught with Mary's math homework, you know, because she fell asleep. If the scene before, when Laura fell asleep and Mary retrieved her homework, Mary could have spent an extra moment looking at it, and then we could have cut to them walking to school and apologizing for getting Mary in Dutch. 
it just definitely felt like a very throwaway scene in the entire episode. And halfway through this episode, it goes from Laura and then switches to weight issues. Immediately after Hans Dorfler mentions Nellie Olsen's weight, the very next scene is Doc Baker making the bet and also talking about Nellie's weight, followed by Harriet Olsen talking about Nellie Olsen's weight. And I'm not even done because the next scene is when Nellie and Willie confront Laura and Mary and they find out about the switch. Then we have Laura at her own dinner going on about only eating vegetables and not having dessert. And then lastly, that final push by Hans Dorfler saying, well, Nellie Olsen's got 15 pounds on you. And I do know in the world of sports, a weigh-in is a thing. Boxing, wrestling, horse jockey. I guess, however, here, it just kind of bothered me a little bit more because the only two people who are in the race are two little girls. And yes, I know I may be reading too much into it, but it just kind of sticks out. And thinking of things that stick out, let's talk about this week's Little House moment. And it actually will go to one of those warm, warm feelings because Laura returning Harriet Olsen's cup is this week's moment. An episode ago, Laura was returning Nellie to Harriet. This week, it's that cup. And although last week, Nellie was returned with a little malice, this week, Laura comes and proves that even though she's the child, she's also the adult. I mean, we can always count on Laura to take the high road. And I know we're just starting season three, and there's still six more seasons to go. But maybe this will be a turning point for Harriet Olsen. Maybe. And with that, let's finally get to rating this episode. Again, I love the return of characters. Finding out Mrs. Whipple had a son, Ebenezer Sprague had an entire episode to introduce him, and he still shows up from time to time. And even seeing Baker McKay once again is nice. So when Hans Dorfler returns, and this time with a lot more to say, I'm all for it. I mean, Mr. Rogers said it best. These are the people in your neighborhood. Unfortunately, there are so many long takes of horse riding in this episode. I guess the one upside to that was just seeing how quickly you could identify the stunt double. And again, should Harriet really have gotten this horse that has thrown her off of it to her daughter who could barely manage Bunny? It just seems as though she's putting her daughter in more jeopardy. So it just seems rather questionable of how much she does love her daughter versus how much she wants to put Laura Ingalls in her place. And finally, all the talk about weight. Albeit everyone who does mention it does address it as a way of managing the race. Hans Dorfler, Doc Baker, and Laura all have the positive spin on it. But when it comes to Harriet and Nellie, they come at it with such negative view. And yes, I know it's one of those important factors for the sport, but scene after scene after scene could have perhaps spread it out a little bit more. So with that, I am going to give this episode, The Race, four and a quarter bonnet rating. And those are just some of my thoughts and feelings about this episode. And as always, I encourage you to reach out with any thoughts or feelings you have about this episode or any previous episode or season. 
You can get a hold of me at the Instagram and Gmail account from Plum Creek with Love. Again, if you're liking what you're hearing, please feel free to leave a rating. And that Spotify playlist for season three is already growing. So you can give that a listen as well. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the Prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. And until next time, take care. Yeah.